The scriptures today point out a very interesting detail. St. John in his gospel points out a really interesting detail that we can miss if we just kind of read the gospel quickly through. St. John tells us that it was about four o'clock in the afternoon. Now to understand the significance of that detail, you got to remember when John is writing this gospel down, when he is telling this story. He's on the island of Patmos, probably 70 years later. He's an old man in exile, and he can still remember the very time when he encountered Christ. Or we might say better, the exact moment when the Lord encountered him. When the Lord came into his life and things radically changed. Samuel, in our first reading, could have probably told you the same thing. He probably could have recounted the exact moment, the exact time, the day, the year when he heard the Lord for the first time, when he, following Eli's advice, said, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. As could of St. Paul, right? whose conversion rather dramatically is told in the Acts of the Apostles and who writes our epistle today. Brothers and sisters, in all of our lives, there are four o'clock moments, so to speak. There are moments when we realize that Jesus is a person with whom we can have a relationship and is not something to be studied or an ideal to be imitated, but a person who first loves us, who first chooses us, and then calls us to something great. He is a person who seeks you just as he sought John and James and Andrew and Peter and Paul, and every other Christian who has ever lived. He is someone who seeks you out. Remember, he's God. He's not just happening to walk by. He walks by at that precise moment so that John the baptizer can say, Behold the Lamb of God. And so that Andrew's heart will be moved so that he'll go to Simon Peter and say, we have found the Messiah. It's not an accident. Christ comes at that moment. And John, all those years later, he he can remember it because it was the defining moment of his life. We have those moments in our lives. Moments where when we know God is seeking us, There are moments when eternity breaks through into our current reality. Perhaps more accurately, when our eyes are opened to the reality that God has come to encounter us, to save us, to raise us up, and to send us. We have these moments throughout our life, but sometimes some of them stick more firmly in our minds, especially perhaps 
the first time that we realized that Christ was someone that we could follow. And we should be able to tell that story of encountering the Messiah the way that Andrew tells his brother, we have I have found the Messiah, we found the Messiah, we found the one that we've been longing for, the hoped for one. Brothers and sisters, I grew up Catholic and I had a family who took me to Mass every Sunday. And I knew a lot about Jesus. But I came to encounter him in a powerful way on a retreat when I was in ninth grade. And with a mother's intuition, my mom said, Will, you're going to go on this retreat. Don't know why. Don't know why exactly she decided it was a good idea. But thank God that she did. Because on that retreat, I met the person of Christ as one that I could have a relationship with, not an idea in my head, but as my own, as my Savior, who redeemed me and who raised me up. And on that retreat, I experienced His presence through Eucharistic adoration. And I had been to adoration a hundred times before. I had served at the altar a hundred times before, but I, my eyes were opened just a little bit in that moment. And then I experienced his mercy and his love through the sacrament of reconciliation. And in the priest, Father Michael O'Connor, some of you may know him, who heard my confession that day, which was the first confession that I had gone to since my first reconciliation in second grade, I saw the image of the merciful Father. And I knew then two things. I knew that Jesus Christ was calling me to follow him like he called Andrew and like he called James and like he called Peter and like he called each one of you at your baptisms to follow him as a disciple, to radically reorient our lives, to follow after him. And the other thing was that there stirred in my heart a desire to be an instrument of his mercy for others. I didn't know exactly what form that desire would take, but I knew that it would change my life. Those four o'clock moments, when we encounter Jesus, brothers and sisters, it changes the way we live. Every Mass should be that for us because we encounter Christ at the Mass in a powerful way through the mystery of the Eucharist. And that encounter that we have here at the Eucharist should also transform the way that we look for Christ in the world so that each moment becomes an encounter with him. Now from that day onward on that retreat, I was a disciple. I was committed to following Christ, but I still had to learn to listen just as Samuel was always in the presence of the Lord but still had to learn how to hear him. I still had to learn how to follow the Lord where he would lead so that I could really say, here I am, Lord. I come to do your will. And like a toddler learning to walk, I tripped a lot. I fell down a lot. But the Lord kept raising me up. And slowly, 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 I learned to follow Jesus to pray, and to ask what he would have me do, to really be able to say those words, here I am, Lord, I come to do your will.
And as I grew as a disciple, brothers and sisters, this idea of being a priest kept coming back to me. I had thought about being a priest when I was a little kid. There was something that was stirred in my heart when I saw what a priest did. And as I continued to grow in love for Christ, the Lord opened my heart more and more to that. It became a real option. Part, a huge part of that, brothers and sisters, was that people saw in me something that I did not see in myself at the moment. They said, Will, you'd make a good priest. And this is why. And to be honest, I didn't, I kind of doubted that. Some of those people were priests, but many, many more of them were the people in the community around me. Parishioners at my home parish who are just like you. Right? I think of people like the youth minister who accompanied me throughout high school, the core team members on the youth group, teachers who were Catholic who said, Well, there's something there. I think of my college roommates, my friends. I think of my family who, though they didn't explicitly say, you're going to be a priest, you should be a priest, they always implicit, they always told me to follow what the Lord was calling me to do. They gave me an example of charity and constant support in doing God's will. And after many years, 10 years, about 8 to 10 years, when I was a senior in college, I came to the decision that the preponderance of the evidence suggested that I should enter seminary. I was not sure at all that I was called to be a priest. And I made that decision, actually it's kind of a funny story, I went to um, Managi, so uh, I, went, I was studying engineering at A&M, and it was about the time of the engineering, it was actually the day of the engineering career fair at A&M, and I was ready to go find a career. I had my suit and tie on, and I had my resumes in my backpack, and I went to my adoration hour, and during that hour, the Lord asked me one question. He said, Will, why are you going to this career fair? Why are you going? And I said, well... Um, it's wise to have a backup plan, even though I think you might be calling me to be a priest. Why wouldn't I go? Then it got a little deeper. It's because I was afraid. I was afraid of failing to get a job. I was afraid of taking a leap of faith. And the Lord worked on me in that moment. And after that adoration hour, I came out and I just kind of walked around the student center there at Texas A&M. And... I said, well, I'm going to trust you, Lord. I'm just going to apply to seminary. So I did. And it didn't take me long after I was accepted into seminary to realize that I was in it for the long haul, that this really was what the Lord was calling me to do. Um, There were doubts, for sure, throughout my time in seminary. There were times that were very difficult, but I experienced more clarity and more joy because I was following the Lord's will than I had ever experienced in my life. And brothers and sisters, I can honestly say that the past six months of being a priest have far exceeded my expectations. In 36 hours, 
a few months ago, I celebrated every sacrament that I could as a priest. I baptized someone. I confirmed someone. I celebrated the Eucharist. I brought a soul back to life through the sacrament of reconciliation. I celebrated the anointing of the sick with someone who was dying. Brothers and sisters, following the Lord is difficult. There are difficult days in the life of a priest. But every day I can say this, that I've gone to bed thankful for the Lord's call in my life. And thankful for the people who were in my life who were those Andrews. Those people who were my sa- the same age as me who said, Will, I see this in you. Or those Elis, the people who were older than me and said, Will, following the Lord is what's going to make you happy. I'm so thankful for those people. And I hope by sharing that story that it's clear that I didn't come to be your priest here at the cathedral by myself. It was first God who called me, and then He used instruments. He used people to work on me, to form me, to call me, to say, follow the Lord's will. Brothers and sisters, we're all called first to go and find where the Lord is staying. We're supposed to be with Him first. And then we're supposed to go and tell others about Him to evangelize. Recognize that you are God's instrument in calling forth the gifts that you see in other people that God has given them. Vocations don't grow from nothing. They grow in families, they grow in communities, they grow in parishes just like this one. And it's, and today on this kind of called by name Sunday, that's what we're, the diocese has asked us to celebrate. On behalf of Bishop Joe, I want to ask you to take two concrete steps in helping to promote a culture of vocations in, in our diocese, in our parish, in this place. Two ways that you can be an Andrew, or an Eli. First, actually I'm going to give you three because I just thought of this. First, pray. Pray that people, pray that God will call people and pray that people will respond. Pray that obstacles would be removed. That's the most important thing. That they would follow the Lord with all their hearts and be able to say, here I am, Lord. I come to do your will. Second, Tell young people with sincerity, I see in you the qualities that would make a good priest. Or I see in you the qualities that would make a good religious sister. Tell your friends. Tell your family members. If you really think that this person has those qualities, tell them that. And say, wouldn't it be great if God was calling you to be a priest? It doesn't mean that you're forcing them to do that. That doesn't, it's just saying, I see in you things that would make you a good priest. And if God called you to that, that would be awesome. Second, or third, if you know a young person who you think you might, might be called to priesthood or religious life, help us 
encourage them by sharing their name and contact info. There's two ways to do that, online or by mail. There's these little envelopes that are in your pews today. So I'm going to ask everyone to grab one of those. Oh, there's not enough for everyone, but if there's some there. And on the envelope, there's a URL, and there's also, uh, consistent with our COVID uh, lifestyle, there's a QR code, right? So everyone knows what that is now, after eight months of using those things. And uh, you can scan that, and it's just a very simple, what's their name? Do you have any contact information for them? Brothers and sisters, vocations don't grow from nothing. Um, those people who... who uh, are kind of put forth in 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 this will receive from Bishop Joe um, and the vocations office just simply a letter of encouragement to hear and respond to God's call for their life, no matter what it is. So I want to thank you for your generosity in participating in this. And this is something you can continue to do if you can't think of something right now or someone right now that uh, that might be called if if you do in the future go to godiscalling.me and say and fill out that little form um, or come talk to me and I'll fill out the form for you um, brothers and sisters thank you for what you do already to promote vocations here in our parish let me say a word to those who might be called who might be feeling the Lord's tug on their heart right now Following the Lord will always lead you to joy. It will always lead you to joy. So if you feel called, be open to it. Say with the psalmist those words, Here I am, Lord. I come to do your will.